to see you all. Welcome to Emmaus. This is our last Sunday of 2018, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. Um, my name is Sandy Haskins, and I'm the pastor of community here at Emmaus. And this is Angela Henning. She's our student ministries pastor. And we're going to be sharing some stories with you today, and we're excited to do that. But before we do, uh, if you need a Bible, would you please raise your hand? We've got some ushers that will come down and give you Bibles or notes um, to track with us this morning. And then also, at the end of the aisle over here, there are some baskets underneath the seats there on the end. Um, in them are communication cards. And especially if you're new with us, we would love for you to take one of those cards Fill it out. Um, we do a weekly email that uh, just helps you to understand what's going on in our community, and that's a great way for us to keep in contact with you. Also, if you have a prayer request or you have a change in your address or you just want to say hello to us, anything on that card, you can communicate that way. All right. Very good. Thank you. Good morning. So this is our last gathering of 2018, as Sandy was saying, and those of you who were here last year for this gathering know that this is a time we've kind of chosen to reflect on a year in Emmaus. Um, last year, we celebrated some really big things here. I think if you were here for last year, you remembered that we kind of had a lot of excitement going on. We ended on a super strong note financially, and we did something we've never done before. We had a budget surplus, and we gave the money away. And we didn't give it away just to, like, within our community or even within our bigger um, denomination, the Church of the Nazarene. We actually gave it away to groups that aren't even directly affiliated with Emmaus. We just felt like that's where God was leading us. So last year, we ended with this big splash. And this year, we're continuing to feel the ripples of that, of that year end. Yeah, it was so much fun when we discovered we had this surplus of money. And I remember the board meeting when we were discussing this money and, you know, let's toss in around some ideas. And, you know, one of the ideas was we could just put it all towards our theater here. We have um, a little bit of debt left before paying it off, and we could have done that. Um, but somebody suggested, what if we take a portion of that surplus money and we just give it away? We're often asking for money and um, have needs, but... There's a lot of great organizations in our local community that are doing some really cool things. And wouldn't it be so cool if we could just spend the year um, surprising organizations and bringing them a check and giving them this message. We see you. We hear of all the good things that you're doing in our community. And we love that you are about restoration like we are. And here's some money. Continue to do all the good work that you're doing. Um, so that was a lot of fun. We prayed about which organizations we would support, and then all throughout the year, that's what we did. We popped in on these local organizations, gave them that message and a gift of money. So we want to share that with you, what those organizations were that we gave to. Um, there's a slide. Is it up there? There we go. There's the one. All right, so Mercy Multiplied, which is a 40-bed residential facility for young women seeking freedom and healing from life-controlling issues. And then Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Lincoln High School is a Christian club. Um, our neighbors across the street, Salt Mine Food Closet, they're feeding thousands of families in our community. 
Sierra Pregnancy and Health Center. They provide patient-first health care and advocacy for moms and babies. And then Lighthouse Counseling and Resource Center, they do amazing classes, counseling, um, a lot of good resources that they give out there. Atlas Learning Academy, serving K through 12 students. They do a lot of outdoor education and project-based learning and teamwork. Acres of Hope, which we've been talking about all month, right? It's this amazing place where they're helping moms and their kids uh, temporarily and helping them get back on their feet with jobs and a new place to, to live. They're helping break the cycle of homelessness. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, Phoenix High School, which is our continuation high school here in Lincoln. So not only have we given funds out um, outside of Emmaus to other organizations, but we've had a lot of opportunity to serve at a couple of these places too. So in a little bit, Angela and I are going to share a couple stories of how God has led each of us to serve in one of these organizations and what he's currently doing. Okay. So as we, I was reflecting on this last year, of course, it's the middle of December. And as December goes, it's such a full season. There's been gifts. There's been gatherings, parties ornament exchanges, even scarf swaps, and all everything that's going on in our community. But in the midst of all this, I've received a lot of Christmas cards. I'm sure many of you have. And along with a lot, many of these cards, I get newsletters. And the newsletters, they vary. They vary by season, and they vary by sender. Sometimes there are a lot of new things in these newsletters. New babies, new marriages, new jobs, new homes. And then some years, I get another card from the same family, and there's just not as much new going on. And that new baby that we talked about in last year's newsletter is no longer a newborn, but she's a toddler, and she's growing. And we get to hear about the milestones that are going on in her life. And that house that someone bought last year is no longer their new house, but now they're living in it, and now they're hopefully even improving it. So... Last year at this time, our community, we had our own newsletter during this gathering. And last year was a year where we had some pretty obvious, big new things, right? Um, we had new staff, we had new people, and we had this amazing new theater. This was a gift from God. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty exciting newsletter. If those of you were here, last year was an exciting way to end our year. And it was very big, very hard to miss. But this year, it's different. God is still working in our community. It's still exciting, but he's doing different things this year. We went years and years without a permanent church home, and we got that last year, and it was a, it was a big deal. We, we really wanted to appreciate that and rejoice over that. And this year, we've been equipped with tools, and we've been using our own home base from. And God is continuing to take us on paths we could have never predicted. Instead of calling us to just work within these walls, we've actually been launched into the community in new ways this year. Maybe some of us thought having our own space would mean we would be meeting here more often and doing more here, and actually we have. We've met here more often, we've done more here, but that's not where it's stopping. It also means that this year we have gone out into our community more. Instead of just staying in this building, we're actually using this space as a launching pad into the community around us. We get to take the Spirit of God outside this building and meet people where they are. So some of the updates have been obvious and some of them not so much. Some of them are less tangible. 
But it doesn't mean that God is not continuing to have great plans for us this season. Each season is different. And that's why we have to keep asking God, what does he want us to do? And we have to be open for those answers, even the unexpected ones. So the opportunities in each season might change, but no matter the season, God has chosen each of us to be faithful stewards of God's grace. In the church, we often hear the word steward, and a lot of times, especially last year, we talked about being steward of our budget and steward of a building fund, and we use that term a lot, and it, it actually does pertain to those things. We talked about budgets, we talked about new buildings, and it was beautiful the way you as a community have been faithful to God in this area. This new home was a gift that was given to us last year, and it's been a huge blessing. But we need to be, continue to be good stewards of this building, but we would be stopping short if we limited it to only those things. We're called to be faithful stewards. And a steward is not the owner of the assets, but the person responsible to the owner for those assets. We don't own the assets, but we're accountable. And these assets go far beyond things like money and this building. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis, and he has a quote, and he says, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. So it's not just our money, it's not just our material possessions, but everything we do, every ability, every talent, our very lives, everything belongs to God. And God allows us to be stewards of it. Every single one of us is already a steward because every single one of us has already received gifts from God. But what he's calling us to not, he calls us to be more than just stewards. He's calling us to be faithful stewards of his grace. John Wesley calls grace undeserved favor. So we get to be stewards of undeserved favor or undeserved merit, or just we can just call it God's love to us. We who don't deserve grace are not only allowed to receive it, but we get to give it to other people. I'd like to look at a passage from 1 Peter this morning. Peter, as many of you know, was one of Jesus' disciples. And many of us, if we had known Peter, might have said he was a very unlikely choice to be a steward of God's grace. But God entrusts Peter with much, and he equips Peter to be a faithful servant and leader in the early church. So if you look at page 852, if you have one of the Bibles in the pews or in the chairs, um, here's what Peter writes. He writes this letter to people who are scattered throughout some of the Roman provinces in Asia Minor. And times were not easy for these early Christians. But Peter still reminds them of how they are called to live. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. 
To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So there are several things in this passage from Peter that we want to focus on this morning. And we're going to focus on them through the lens of how we can be faithful stewards of God's grace. Okay, so our passage starts in verse 8. And I'm going to read that again. It says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Another word uh, for deeply could be insincerity. Uh, So above all, love each other sincerely because it paves a way for forgiveness. And living with around other people, we're going to need to forgive from time to time, aren't we? So some people are easy to love and some people aren't, right? (laughs) I've seen a, a saying on Facebook a couple of times that says, I like coffee and maybe three other people. (laughs) And it's with this idea of, you know, it's not always easy to love each other. Um, Sometimes it's not even easy to like each other. Uh, And yet we're called to. We're called to love each other deeply. Um, About 15 years ago, I read a book, like probably many of you did, called Purpose Driven Life. And Rick Warren, he talks about people in our lives that are EGRs. Does anyone besides my husband know what EGRs are? Back there, Jean. That's right. Some people in our lives are extra grace-required people. We all have them. Some of us are them to other people, right? It's kind of like that. If you don't know if you're the crazy aunt or uncle, it's probably you and your family. Um, So it's something that we have to deal with, right? And that phrase, extra grace required, it, it means basically that we can't just write people off, but sometimes we need extra power to be able to love people deeply. And that's just it. We can't love each other deeply like God would want us to because we need him. We need the Holy Spirit's power in us to be able to love each other deeply. His love is perfect, right? And yet our love is not perfect. So when we partner with the Holy Spirit, that is the way that that can happen. Um, In order for us to steward God's grace, including love uh, each other, that's just what has to happen. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit. Have any of you ever read in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit passage? And I don't know if you're like me. I read the the list of things, love, joy, peace, patience. And as I'm reading through that list, I'm thinking, ugh, I need to be more patient. Oh, man, I need to be more loving. Okay, this week, I'm making it a goal. I'm going to be more loving. (laughs) Well, uh, it doesn't work very well. Um, Soon, you know, we run out of our own stuff our own strength, and we're just not able to do it. But when you really think about it, it is the fruit of the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. We can't do it without the Spirit's work in our life. We can't do it without abiding in the Spirit and asking for Him to fill us regularly. So John 13.35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving others is the distinguishing mark of a disciple of Jesus, and we can't live that out in a deep way without the Spirit's power. 
but we can, live, we can faithfully steward God's grace and his love when we ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to lead us. Another part of this is to give grace. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we're told that we need to use our gifts for others. And here's the thing about gifts. Many have, ha have, have had them, and we've had them for years. I can point out to so many people here the gifts that are so obvious to me. But we also serve a God who is more than willing and able to equip us in each season and actually even in each moment with whatever gifts we need to use in the situation that he is calling us into. Often we say, I'm just not gifted for that. Or I pe hear people say without hesitation that they could never do X, Y, and Z because they have no skills in that area. And I want to tell you that if God is asking you to do something, he's going to gift you appropriately. He's going to equip you when you need it. He gives us what we need when we need it. So the issue is not our own lack of gifting, but our lack of willingness to ask Jesus what it is that he wants us to do. And asking God for direction can't be a one-time conversation. We have to pause. We have to continue to ask God, maybe not even every one season, maybe again and again in one season. And we can't be too quick to tell God how unqualified we are. In fact, I know for me personally, one of my first reactions is to quickly disqualify myself when God asks me to do something. We need to slow down our no, and instead, we should simply just say yes to God. We need to say, yes, God, I'm going to do whatever you're asking me to do, even before you know what he's asking you to do. And the first step can be submitting to this, just having an attitude of being open to where God is leading you. I know in my own life, it is much easier and way, more, way, way safer to quickly dismiss with those excuses. I tell God all the time how I'm not equipped or I could never do that. And I, I do. I attempt to use my own limitations to tell God what I can't do. Yet when the God who created us, the God who knows us better than anyone else, the God who loves us, the God who can equip us to do anything he wants us to do, asks us to do something, how can we tell him that we can't? So, so far we've talked about loving deeply and giving grace, and now we're talking about reflecting Christ. Verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. There's a picture on the screen of my dad and my sister in the early 60s. And I love this picture because my dad's face, when I look at it, it reminds me of what I think God looks like when he sees any of us. His dearly loved children. So much joy. And my dad truly did reflect Christ in his life. In 1978, my sister uh, went off to Biola University, and our, the rest of us, my brother and I, and my parents uh, moved to Redding, California, because my parents bought a Christian bookstore. And at the time, I was nine years old, and our Christian bookstore was right next to our school, 
So every day after school, we had to go to the Christian bookstore, stay there for three mm -hmm. hours until we closed, and then we could go home. And we didn't always love this as kids. <laughs> um, in fact, we often complained. <laughs> but one thing that did happen is my brother and I got a front row seat to my dad and how he ran his business, how he interacted with people, and it was amazing to see how many people came to our store not to buy a Bible or the latest book or the latest record, um, but they came to hang out in the back, the back room with my dad. He would often have a couple people back there, and he'd listen, he'd ask great questions, he would um, give advice sometimes, he would always encourage them, and uh, they would continue to come back. And he really pointed people to Christ constantly. And that was great for me to see. What I saw in him was that he uncovered value of everyone that he encountered. And then he cheered them on. He would point out, you're good at this. Or I see this in you. Man, you should go out and do that. And that was so awesome for me to be able to, to see that all the time. And that has become my own mission now that I learned from him, uncover value and cheer people on. So I love that about um, my years growing up in the bookstore and being able to see that. And that uh, this idea of him pointing people to Jesus really was the theme that you heard over and over again at his funeral 12 years ago. Um, so many people stood up and with tears in their eyes just went on and on about how their life was transformed because of these little conversations they would have in the back room of the bookstore. Um, and then I was thinking about his funeral the other day, and his favorite hymn uh, that Daryl and I sang at his funeral, and the words of the chorus, he walks with me and he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. My dad reflected Christ because he had been with Christ regularly. He was very intentional about growing. He didn't repeat the same year every year. He was constantly growing and his life was changing. And because of that, he could reflect Christ and point people to him. I love this uh, section by Bob Goff in his book, Love Does, and my dad would have totally loved it. It says, I think God's hope and plan for us is pretty simple to figure out. For those who resonate with formulas, here it is. Add your whole life, your loves, your passions, your interests, together with what God said he wants us to be about. And that's your answer. If you want to know the answer to the bigger question, what's God's plan for the whole world? Buckle up, it's us. We can faithfully steward God's grace when we get to know him and we reflect Christ in what we say and what we do. The last thing we want to focus on is serving empowered. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Being a faithful steward of God's grace is big, but we're not meant to do it alone because we cannot. Sandy talked about how loving God requires having God live deeply within us. 
And we're not equipped to be faithful stewards of God's grace without Christ. God will ask us to do hard things, but he will never ask us to do them alone. We don't serve a God who sends us on errands. He doesn't delegate tasks for us to do on our own. On the contrary, God asks us to go with him. He offers us the privilege of serving alongside him. He allows us to be part of the work of restoration with him. When I think of this partnership, I think of the green machine that is parked at my house. So the green machine is a 1973, make sure I got all the facts here, F-250 camper special Ford pickup truck. Is that right? Okay, okay, good. I had to get a little coaching <laughs> on that one. Okay, this old pickup that's at my house is in a need of a lot of restoration. But my husband Steve loves to work on it. He loves to tinker on it for hours and hours without end. Often, he will invite some of the kids from our youth group to come over to help. And most of the time, our five-year-old Benjamin is the helper. And the thing is that usually when he partners with others, he actually doesn't do it because he needs their help. He doesn't do it because they have some great mechanical expertise. In fact, those he partners with don't have a lot of skills yet. Some don't even know what they're doing. And it is usually totally unnecessary for him to have their help. His most constant partner in restoration is our son, Benjamin. You can see a little picture of there. This is, we have so many. This is a pretty often occurrence. Um, so auto repair with a five-year-old is not a quick or even an efficient <laughs> way to get a job done. But as I've watched Steve patiently work with Benjamin, I've watched him explain how the engine works, how to fix things, what he's doing, I can't help but think about my own, my own partnership with Christ. Steve doesn't ask Benjamin to go fix the brakes on the truck by himself, thank goodness. And God <laughs> does not ask me to go into the world and serve others by myself. God just asks me to help him. The God who lives within me lets me be a part of his work in this world. I get to help with restoration. He trusts me with tools and opportunities, not because he needs my help. In fact, I am pretty sure I slow the process down. I know it takes me a long time to understand his instructions, and I know at times I am pretty slow to actually follow them. But he still lets me be his partner, because that's not what it's about. He will give us directions as we serve with him. We will learn he invests in us, and he allows us to be in this partnership because just like Steve with, our, with the young men in our youth group or our, our little boy, God wants a real relationship with us, a relationship that flourishes and grows as we partner with him. Last year, we saw the gifts of God in our church community. God gifted us with this new home, and it served as a place where God has communicated with us. He has given us instructions. He's even inspired some of us with some new tools. But the beautiful gift of a home for our community has become a place for worship. It's a place for community. It's a place for recharging, a place for refocusing. And while we, the living temples of Christ, may be here on Sunday mornings, we are also gathered all over the area, all over the Placer County, every single day of the week. 
God is using us in ways that are not as obvious to everyone and maybe not as visual to everyone. God gifted us with this brick-and-mortar location, but his intent is not for us to stay within these walls. God wants us to join him as he restores the world. I want to tell you a story about one place that God has taken me in this season. In the last few years, I have been intentionally asking God for some new opportunities to minister to people. I have no idea what those might look like, but I knew that I was captivated by this idea of meeting people where they are instead of expecting them to come to me. I get to spend a lot of time at the Foundry Youth Center, and it's been a great way for me to meet students, to join them where they're at. Yet sometimes, when I think I've figured it out, because this makes sense, I'm going to the Foundry, that's a great way, I'm leaving the church. Um, God presents me with an opportunity I would never have imagined. And this is what happened this fall. Anglin Baker, who's the director of the Youth Center, and I have been invited pretty often to, on the campus of Phoenix High School, which is a local continuation school. We visit there pretty regularly in hopes of raising the awareness of the Youth Center. In the last few years, the female presence at the Foundry has been kind of slim, and I was speaking to a teacher there and just asking, what can I do? Maybe I can start a woman's group or something at the Foundry so that we can just you know, create a, a better space for the young women from Phoenix. And in the middle of this conversation, there was some confusion. She thought I wanted to start a girls' group on campus, which, as a youth pastor in this culture, I would never suggest because I know the rule. I, I know we, we just aren't allowed those things. But what happened next was when we think we know boundaries and limits or rules, and God, in his great grace, still works through us, still works through our flawed understanding and demonstrates that he is still the God of the unimaginable. You see, in this conversation about a group outside of the school campus, God intervened. God did not stop at what I thought I knew and the structure in which things operate. Thank goodness. You see, this teacher asked me if I could lead a group for these girls on campus. These, where these girls already are. Many Maybe most of these girls come from really hard places. And this group was about processing. This group was about providing a safe place, about getting tools to succeed holistically. And I think I was a little stunned and asked, wait, on campus? She asked if that would be OK. And I'm glad to say, by at this point, I recovered enough to say, yes. Yes, yes, we'll, we'll do that. So <laughs> this conversation happened at the end of August. And by the second week of September, I was on campus every Wednesday, spending an hour with this group of girls. The group has grown to as many as 22 girls who come in to talk, share about what's going on in their lives, and sometimes just breathe. Did I have any idea what I committed myself to? Absolutely not. Did I even know what the format would be? Nope. And I certainly could never have been prepared for the stories that I have heard. What I did know? was that Jesus Christ had chosen to gift Emmaus with this precious opportunity to serve young women in our community. And it was so clear that this was a gift, I had to say yes, immediately. Because I knew that it would not be me who would be leading this group, but Jesus who lives in me. I serve a God who will empower me to do anything he asks me to do. After the first week of this meeting, I told someone, I had just experienced five years of youth ministry in one hour. 
It was a lot. <laughs> so, but God is not just equipping me to facilitate this group, but he is creating in me a deep love for these girls. I love them deeply, and I don't have all the answers. And sometimes I'm, to be honest, speechless with the advice they're asking of me. But I know that they know that above all else, this youth pastor who volunteers at the youth center loves them. This woman who doesn't talk about her religion values them. And they don't care if I'm perfect and they don't care if I make mistakes, but they just care that I love them. For me, stewarding God's grace is about loving these kids right where they are. And I'm not sure some days what gifts I really have to offer them. But I do know that God is giving me whatever I need. I do know that being a consistent presence, which may seem so basic to all of us, is something that they value. We can come empty-handed, and he never fails to give us what we need. It's now December, and I don't know where, what's going to happen next or what the plans God has for this group of young women, but I do know I am not the savior of the story. There's only one savior, and I can lean into his directions. I can trust his plan. Some days I have to listen and trust him from minute to minute. Recently, I heard a speaker talk about what Jesus does for the marginalized, what he does for the hurt. The speaker said this, Jesus sees them. Jesus sees them, but he also causes others to see them. Jesus saw these girls at Phoenix High School, and he allows me to see them as I serve them. But it's not stopping there. I might be there as a physical presence, but I am not the only one from our community who is seeing them. We have a group of women who meet on Tuesdays, and when I shared the stories about these young women at Phoenix, they decided to partner with me. They have been praying over me and for these girls every week. These girls they've never met, they are committing to pray for. And this month, these women asked if they could give gifts to these girls. So they brought gifts for 22 girls. They brought socks, they brought lip balms, they bought nail polish, they brought hair ties, and so much more. And when I brought those in, the faces of these girls just lit up. I just told them, I've been telling my friends about you, and I've been telling how brave you are and how awesome you are. And they were just ecstatic. One teacher from the school told me that they never get gifts there. These young women know they are being seen in the season, and they know they're valued. That's what I'm doing on Wednesday mornings. God has given me and our community the privilege of being a source of love and hope to these young women. I'm not sure where it's, what's going to happen next, but I know that my job is just to obey Jesus in the season. That's all I'm responsible for. I do know that God has called me to hang out with teenagers on Wednesday mornings at a local continuation school. And it would have been super easy for me, especially in the last season, to make excuses of why I can't do this. Do you know how many kids I have? <laughs> do you know how busy I am? I'm already serving Jesus enough. Maybe next season. Maybe someone else is more qualified than me. I know the list could go on and on. But the thing is, I asked God where he wanted me, and he answered Perhaps that would make, that's what makes asking the question so scary. But if we really, really want to be faithful stewards of God's grace, we have to be open to asking those questions and listening for the answer. That's good. 
So my story has to do with Mercy Multiplied. And uh, it's, my story starts about two years ago. I was actually uh, looking for donations for our benefit dinner for the youth center. And so I decided to go on Facebook to our city uh, group, and I just posted out there, hey, we're looking for donations for our benefit dinner for, at that time, it was the Axiom, but for our youth center. And one of the ladies that responded uh, she said, oh, yeah, we've got some things you can come on over and grab from uh, the Mercy House. And I had heard of Mercy Multiplied, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. And she's like, just come on by, and um, I'll give you some of these items. So I went over there, got to look inside the house. It's a 40-bed facility for women that are 18 to 32. And I talked with Carrie, who's uh, one of the, she's the community relations person there. And after our 20-minute conversation, I just felt God stirring in my heart um, that I would have some kind of role, some kind of partnership with Mercy Multiplied. And it got me really excited. Uh, God began to show me, I've been uh, giving you this, uh, this coaching training lately uh, to be able to meet with people one-on-one, -on -one, but also StrengthsFinder training. And so I heard him say to me, offer, offer that like a, a workshop over there for the girls. And at that time, there were 25 girls. And uh, God just opened up the doors for Debbie Duncan and I to go over there. And we did a four-week workshop for the girls. And StrengthsFinder training basically helps the girls to know what their top strengths are and how God wired them. And so it was so much fun to be able to uh, present to these girls who, before coming to Mercy, all they focused on was what was wrong with them. And my goal was to go in there and help show them, like, what was strong with them. Mm -hmm. um, and it really partnered well with what they already do at Mercy Multiplied with their curriculum. Their curriculum is all about uh, helping them to see the lies that they've believed and... Um, and how the enemy was attacking them, and then to put truth over that. And they use a curriculum called Ditch the Baggage, which might sound familiar because we now offer that here at our church as a class because the information and the curriculum is so powerful. They've made it into a study guide that churches can now use. Um, so it was fantastic to be able to partner with what's already happening with um, the truth of God's word and who they are in Christ, but then to take it a little bit deeper to say, not only that, but, but you're gifted with these strengths and God made you so intentional. Each of you are a masterpiece and God wants to use you. And so, like I said about my dad, I was able to really uncover their value and cheer them on. And that was such a joy to be able to do. Um, another thing that I love about Mercy Multiplied, within their curriculum, they have the girls make what's called truth statements. And in the slide there, the picture on the right uh, down below, it's basically index cards and scripture that they have personalized for them uh, individually, whatever their issues were. Uh, several of the women have come in with probably 
two to three different things that they're dealing with. It could be depression, it could be addiction, it could be um, self-harm, so many different things that they come in with, and they make these truth statements based on the Word of God, and it's something that they can use as a weapon against the enemy when he's attacking or tempting. Uh, it can be encouragement. There's just a lot of ways that this really helps to center the girls, um, and Mercy has a 94% success rate after the girls graduate, which is fantastic. And I think these truth statements are a big part of that. So last year, I had the opportunity to become uh, one of their community board members as well. And that's been a joy to, to go to graduations and to support the girls as they learn how to share their testimony and give tours. Um, and then soon, I'm going to be able to be an accountability partner for the graduates that live locally. So that's pretty exciting. I wanted to share with you uh, what one of the recent graduates who was in our strengths workshop, what she posted the other day. She said, today has been a fight through what seems to be one of the toughest days I've experienced since leaving Mercy. The lies have been loud. Things haven't quite made sense. Depression has tried to knock on my door. Anxiety has attempted to suffocate me. However, the fight continues. My feet are planted firmly, and I refuse to be shaken. These truth statements have been attached to me all day long, and even if I have to whisper it out, the voice of truth will keep prevailing. Over and over and over again, I have a God who goes before me, is behind me, and is surrounding me on all sides. This is what God is doing at Mercy Multiplied. It's the truth and the tools that they learn and that they go out of mercy with. And it's the truth and the tools that really we all need. So in my story with Mercy, it was hearing, um, hearing God work through a conversation. It was a stirring in my heart and then with God's power, going in and just being kind of like what Angela said with Phoenix, going in and just being open to what the needs are and allowing God to speak and use how I'm wired to be able to uh, serve them in one way or another. So as faithful stewards of his grace, we love deeply, we give grace, we reflect Christ, and we serve empowered. So at this time of the year, a lot of us were talking about resolutions. We're talking about embracing new practices for 2019. But today, on December 30th, I want to ask us just to pause for a moment. Pause before the resolution. Take a moment today to invite God to give you direction for this next season. Maybe you don't know what next year should look like. Maybe the idea of change is a little scary. But what if today, instead of trying to brainstorm another new resolution, another new course of action, you simply stop to ask God what he desires for you in 2019? God, what questions do I need to be asking you in this new season? Maybe it's something like, how can I be serving you? Or where do I need to be spending more time? Or how can I be a more faithful steward of God's grace? 
Who can I share your grace with in this season? Or maybe it's a completely different question. Let's spend some time together, maybe a minute or two, just writing down a question or two that you need to be asking God in this season. Let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your wonderful grace that you have given to each one of us, your grace and your love. It's perfect. And we need you, Lord, to be able to faithfully steward your grace. We partner with you, Lord. I pray in this new season you would continue to lead and guide, that we would hear your voice and obey, that we would know that you're going to equip us with whatever it is we need to do what you've asked us to do. We're so grateful for that, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, 